Welcome to Valley Outdoors, covering outdoor recreation in the Matsu Valley and Greater Alaska with your host, Tim Escher. Hello again to another edition of Valley Outdoors. Hope you're all getting out to enjoy the snow and sunshine. It's getting into our bluebird season of February and March with lots of sun, but lots of cold weather. But it's one of my favorite times of the year. Today we are talking about backcountry safety. If you spend time in the backcountry, you know that accidents are rare. But when something does happen, help is typically far away both in distance and time. Today we talk with a couple of guests who are involved in training folks on how to handle those unfortunate situations when they do happen. My first guest is Dorothy Adler of Wilderness Emergency Medical Education here in Palmer. Dorothy, formerly of McCarthy, Alaska, has worked extensively as a mountain climbing guide, outdoor instructor, and volunteer mountain search and rescue wilderness EMT. Dorothy has educated hundreds of students through wilderness medical programs in the past 12 years and currently moonlights as an adjunct faculty at University of Alaska Anchorage Prince William Sound Community College Outdoor Studies Program and Matsu College Paramedic Program. Dorothy is a National Registry EMT, Wilderness EMT, American Heart Association Basic Life Support Instructor, that's CPR and AED I believe, uh, American Health and Safety Institute Advanced Wilderness Instructor and Instructor Trainer, Solo Certified Wilderness Medical Instructor and State of Alaska EMT and ETT Instructor. Welcome, Dorothy. Hey, Tim. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. Getting it right this time. Um, so the reason I know you is that you were my uh, EMT instructor at Matsu College, and you got me through and got me passed and uh, got my certification, so I'm very appreciative of that. Um, and the reason I got my EMT um, instruction was to help out with the ambulance service up in Sutton in Glacier View. So I actually got hired by the borough um, after that class. And uh, also eventually to get my outdoor certification, either through Wilderness EMT um, or through Ski Patrol Outdoor Emergency Care, which we'll talk about later in the show. Um, but uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and uh, what you brought, brought you into this line of work? Well, as a requirement for being a mountain climbing guide, I needed my Wilderness First Responder certification. And so about 18 years ago, I took a class in Talkeetna, a very cold class in April, camped out 15 below zero. And I loved the training and I loved the intensity of it. And I um, became a wilderness first responder and then later used those skills living in remote McCarthy, Alaska, being involved in various rescues out there. Um, some really, you know, horrific accidents and some minor things where, where people were able to get help and and get fixed up. Mm -hmm. So did you have a medical background to begin with or? Um, no, I didn't have a medical background to begin with. Okay. No. So, so mainly it was just the outdoors you were, I, yeah, you were I guiding? Mean my, and... my college, my college degree is in something completely unrelated. So I, I sort of found, you know, that my passion for the outdoors has always been there since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I had exposure as a young child growing up across the street from somebody who was a survivalist and ran a survival school, Tom Brown. Okay. And so I was exposed to that sort of thing when I was pretty young. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so one of the questions that people have, people have asked me this too, that if they want to uh, go into this type of training, do they have to have a medical background or does a medical background help? And it doesn't sound like that's the case. No, not at all. Not so, at all. There's... So you get people from all different kinds of backgrounds mm -hmm. for this. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. And, um, you know, I mentioned the EMT, which is emergency medical technician, um, which is a pretty, um, I guess, extensive course that you go through. It's a, when I took it, it was a six credit college course. But uh, you don't need to start that way. 
Um, it's my understanding there's lots of other options. So can you talk a little bit, maybe starting from the easiest or the, the, the least commitment and kind of go through to, you know, as far as people want to go um, with these different different options that they have? Sure. There's, there's a two-day, 16-hour wilderness first aid class, which is really, really geared towards people who just love to recreate. So mm-hmm. maybe weekend warriors or people that are planning on spending time doing extensive backpacking trips and they want to have a basic knowledge of wilderness first aid. Okay. It also includes the CPR certification, which is a few hours extra, so it makes it more like a 20-hour class, but okay. people can have that option as well. Okay, so that'd be like the CPR cl- class that a lot of people take for a lot of different professions or just on their own. Yep, okay. absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay. And so it covers the basic wilderness first aid class is a two-day commitment, and it covers you know, the basics of responding and assessing people when they're injured in the wilderness setting, when they're more than an hour from definitive care, which we often find ourselves more than an hour from right. from care in the state of Alaska because Alaska is so so huge. I, I tell my students all the time that they can be traveling from point A to point B and, and not really be in the backcountry, but right. be outside of that hour zone. Sure. Yeah. I mean, just out where I live. Absolutely. Um, you know, ambulance service can be more than an hour away, even though we're on the road system. So yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so from there, there, you know, that, that, course seems to be um, really attractive to people that are leading youth in the outdoors or families that do a lot of outdoorsy stuff in the summertime or even in the wintertime with their kids. Mm -hmm. And I get families that come in and want to take the class with their teenagers because they want to have that knowledge together. Okay. So it's it's really great for families as well. Mm -hmm. And then the next class up is actually an advanced wilderness first aid course, which is twice as long as wilderness first aid. So it's 32 hours in length. Okay. Includes a little bit more where you start talking about femur fractures, mid-shaft femur fractures, proximal end, distal end, and and how to treat those various femur fractures in the backcountry. One of the big things with wilderness medicine is improvising with what you have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm out in avalanche terrain and I have a probe, how can I use that probe to be able to build a femur fracture traction splint should I need to do that? Right, right. Well, and that's one of the big differences um, from my understanding was when... When you're an EMT and you're working with the borough, you assume you have a fully stocked ambulance sitting right there next to you. And so you've got a red bag. That's all your trauma stuff that you grab. You have a black bag, which is your oxygen bag, and you grab all of that. In the backcountry, you don't carry all of that all of that stuff. And so like you said, you have to improvise a lot um, with what you have. And so is that is it between those first aid courses and, you know, like a normal first aid course that somebody would take? Is it, Are those the biggest differences when someone puts wilderness in front of those uh, certifications in those courses? Um, I would say that in wilderness medicine, you have to think outside the box. Okay. And you deal a lot more with exposure issues too, right? You deal with exposure. You deal with crisis in a different sort of setting. It's not a controlled setting. So imagine crisis in an uncontrolled environment. Mm-hmm. And so chaos can reign and, you know, being able to keep yourself calm and think outside the box at the same time, those are, those are tools. Those are things right. that you learn through the process of like a wilderness first responder course, which is 80 hours long. Mm-hmm. And you're thrown into this intense environment where you're doing mock rescue after mock rescue and culminating in, you know, a three or four hour one at the end of your class. Right, right. Okay. So you talked about wilderness first aid. Advanced Wilderness First Aid. So, and then you mentioned Wilderness First Responders. Is that the next next one in the chain? That's the next one, and that's okay. seventy two to eighty hours, and it's okay. offered in a variety of formats. So, I've been teaching it at the college, the colleges, for the last few years, and they do it over the course of a semester. You can take it through my business. There's one coming up in April, I believe, the end of April. There's a class, and it's 
it's eight days straight basically and you get it you get okay. it all done and and I like that format where it's back to back long 10 hour days because it really you have that intensity of being on a mountain rescue mm-hmm. when it's delivered in that sort of format right right um the one that's done at the college that you said that's a full semester class it's a full semester class okay all right. yeah um, I know the class that I took at the college with you was kind of a hybrid class mm-hmm. and so there were days, skills days when we would come, but there wasn't a really formal lecture. It was mostly online. Um, and you did the studying on your own. Um, and then you came in for skills classes. Is that the way the the wilderness first response is also taught at the college or is that an actual class? No, it's a hybrid wilderness first responder, very similar to the EMT course that you took. Okay. So they're doing the blackboard distance education and submitting assignments. And then we come together every other Saturday for eight hours of training. Okay. All right. And And that's helpful for people like me aren't a traditional student you know yeah. i'm old <laughs> and uh, i live far away and so coming in every day for class would have been very difficult to mm-hmm. do so that's good to know that those mm-hmm. options are there um so the wilderness first responder that's what everybody calls the woofer class right when people mention woofer that's what they're referring to that's the woofer that's yeah. the industry standard for guides okay so if you want to work for ams alaska mountaineering school or any other guiding service or something like that they expect you to have a woofer Certification, exactly. is that Exactly, right? yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right, so wilderness first aid is more for your weekend warriors and, and families and uh, people working with youth groups and things like that, but wilderness first responders is actually for professional guides and, and people of that type. Yeah, um, the state of Alaska is now requiring that assistant hunting guides also have at least a uh, minimum of basic first aid, and I know a lot of outfitters, guide outfitters, are choosing to go the route of wilderness first aid. Okay. So I get... You know, quite a few guys in my class every couple of years that are assistant hunting guides and they're recertifying their their wilderness first aid every couple of years to keep it current. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, if you're just joining us, this is Tim Escher with Valley Outdoors on Big Cabbage Radio. And we're talking about backcountry safety with uh, Dorothy Adler. Um, okay. So we have wilderness first aid. We have uh, advanced wilderness first aid and wilderness first response, getting through all the acronyms and the, <laughs> the different levels here. And so if someone wants to go beyond that, there's also an EMT certification. Is that right? A wilderness EMT? There is a wilderness EMT certification. Okay. And so when I did my wilderness EMT certification, I decided to go a step higher. I had been a wilderness first responder for many years and you recertify every three years if you're a wilderness first responder. Okay. And I I was offered a, a gig up on McKinley doing search and rescue, doing medic work, basically mm-hmm. hanging out at 14,000 feet, going up higher, bringing down injured climbers, manning the medical camp, et cetera. And I loved it. I loved being high altitude and dealing with traumatic injuries and medical emergencies. So later I ended up um, in a in a time frame of life where I was pregnant with my with my son. And felt like it would be a good, fun thing to do in downtime of pregnancy to go do my wilderness EMT. So I did a 30-day intensive wilderness EMT program in New Hampshire with with Solo. Okay. And and I love Solo. It was a good fit between them and me. And, and I brought their courses to Alaska. And it's their certification programs that I teach. So what, what is Solo? Stonehearth Open Learning Opportunities. Okay. So that's a company that puts curriculum together for this so they are the oldest continuously operating medical school wilderness medical school in the world okay. and so many 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 years ago in the late 60s there were a bunch of guys that were skiing and climbing and mm-hmm. they were emts like like us and people were getting hurt and they were more than an hour from definitive care and they're like oh what we need special protocols for 
you know, dealing with these angulated fractures because, you know, it's going to be hours before we get this guy to the front country or, mm -hmm. you know, dislocations. We can put these in ourselves. We can teach people how to do this. And so they developed a standard and, and protocols for wilderness medicine. And it was people like Buck Tilton and Frank Hubble. And they were all together as one big unit to begin with mm -hmm. developing curricula. And then at some point, they separated, and from that separation came WMI of Knowles and WMA, but Solo is sort of the umbrella for all of that, the originator of wilderness medicine. Okay. All right. And so the wilderness EMT, is that is that an actual EMT certification then? Are you an, an EMT just with a W in front of it? You're an EMT with a W. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um, but each mm -hmm. state has their own certifications, right? And so because I'm an EMT in Alaska, I'm not necessarily an EMT in... Washington or Oregon or something like that. Is that is that right? Are you National Registry? National no? Registry, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's an EMT. It's a State of Alaska EMT course mm -hmm. married with a Wilderness First Responder course. Okay. Is essentially what it is. And so it's about 180 hours. Mm -hmm. And I'm teaching one next fall, and I believe it's the first one ever in the State of Alaska. I, I, I'm not positive about that, but I know that when I was looking in 2005 to go take a Wilderness EMT class, there were none offered up here. So I had to travel to the East Coast, take up housing there for a month, mm -hmm. and do mine. So I'm offering one for the first time through my company this okay, fall. Okay, that's great. Yeah, um, and so they'll get their National Registry EMT mm -hmm. or State of Alaska, if that's the route they want to go, and they'll also get their W. So I'm combining the two into okay. one class, but in a schedule that works for people that work. Okay, and how many hours is it? How long is the class? It's 180 plus. 180 plus. And so what is that, yeah. what is that in terms of calendar time? It's, so it's running from October 4th through December 15th. And it's going to be two nights a week in Anchorage and every Saturday out here in in the Valley. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's a pretty big commitment. I it mean, is. It, well, an EMT is a pretty big commitment mm -hmm. anyway. And so that just adds the woofer on top of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk a little bit about cost. How much do these uh, these classes cost? So let's start out with the Wilderness First Aid, which is the first one that we talked about, which is sixteen hours. You said? Sixteen hours. So it's the base cost is around two seventy five for that class, and that okay. includes the CPR. Okay. And then is that typically over a weekend? Is that how you run typically it? Typically over a weekend. I have um, developed clientele over the years, so. Every spring, I get, you know, fish and game, and I end up going to Bethel and Glen Allen, and sort of the same contracts are occurring for me on a yearly basis. Mm -hmm. And it's people that work in the outdoors for BLM or fish and game for National Park Service, trail crew, and they need the certification for their jobs. Right. So that WOFA certification is great for people who do that sort of work. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then for the advanced well, and so also with the with the wilderness first aid, I also tack on the wilderness first responder recertification with that class. Okay. So it's a dual course. So people that have their woofer and they need to recertify, they can jump in on that two day class. I see. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the advanced wilderness first aid is about four hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. And that's the four day. That's the class. four day. Okay. Um, and then there's some other classes that I offer that I don't do a lot, like the um, there's one called WUFA Afloat, which is a U.S. Coast Guard approved um, wilderness first aid for people that work in the maritime mm. environment, basically. Okay. So I've had requests for that class over the years from people that work in the water mm -hmm. on boats. So it's very specific, and it's the only um, course up here in Alaska that is that is a wilderness first aid for people on the water that's Coast Guard approved. Okay. 
So that's an interesting. So there's some like sort of specialty courses as right. well. I mean, there's a lot of people out on the water. There, there are of, a lot, lot of people on the water. A lot of people out fishing and, yep. and uh, have left their own boats. And you mm-hmm. kind of wonder, can they handle situations when they get out there? But uh, okay, so the woofer class, uh, wilderness first responder, what's the cost of that? That one is six seventy five. Six seventy five. Okay. And that's of course the cost is different when you're doing it through the college because there's you get credits. It's a four credit class, sure. so the cost is through the college, and it's mm-hmm. completely different. Right. Right. Um, and then the wilderness EMT, what would that typically cost? 3000 3000 okay. And that gets you a full EMT certification like we talked about. Um, so in theory, you could be hired by the borough or somebody else as an EMT once you got your state of Alaska certification mm-hmm. and your national registry certification. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's also a bridge class for people that are already EMTs, and that's just doing a 40-hour wilderness um, first responder class. Ah, okay. So instead of doing a full wilderness first responder class, you could put together a group of guys that want their wilderness that are already EMTs and they can do it in five days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So many options. So yeah. And it's called a bridge. It's basically a bridge <laughs> class is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, let's talk a bit, a little bit about how people find out about your courses. So, so there's Matsu College. So people can go onto the Matsu College website mm-hmm. and look up the classes there and, and get signed up through the college. Just as, just as if you were a normal student, you get registered mm-hmm. as a student, you get signed up. That's how I did it. Um, but then you also have a private service that you do as well. Can you talk a little bit about that, how people find out about that and get signed up? It sounds like a lot of it's by demand. And so if you get enough people in a group, you'll run a course. Um, so I have courses scheduled now all the way through December of 2018. Mm-hmm. People can register through my website, which is akwildmed.webplus.net. Okay. It's kind of a different website name, but yeah, that's we'll, what we'll, it is. We'll get that onto the post. <laughs> yeah, find yeah. It. Um, or Facebook. So they can find me through my business, Wilderness Emergency Medical Education on Facebook. And I'm always posting photos from classes and, um, you know, upcoming classes as well on Facebook. And that seems that's a good outlet for people. Okay. And the best way for people to contact you, would it be that through the website or through Facebook or what's through either, either one works great. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. this, This is Wonderful. I, when I first looked at this, all the acronyms kind of made my head spin a little bit. And I was, uh, I remember talking to you early on, because I think I talked to you before my EMT class about coming up to Glacier View and doing a course up there. We just, we couldn't. talked about an ETT class and right. Yeah. yeah. We? we just, yeah. Couldn't, we just couldn't get our act together. Up there. Yeah. I'm actually <laughs> teaching uh, my first ETT class here locally in March Ah, okay. because there's nice. been a demand for it suddenly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, good. Um, well, anything else you think we should cover? Um, anything that you could think of? Oh, right, right, right. I also, if people go to my website, I do a great newsletter. Do you get my newsletter? I no, I think you're I don't. on my mailing list. I'll, I'll have to double check. have to check, yeah. So I do this really cool newsletter where I do a training scenario, and then I also list my upcoming classes. And currently, we're doing a gear, equipment, clothing drive for the boys up at North Star Summit Program. Okay. And we started that last month because they do a lot of outdoor activities through the recreational therapy program there at North Star. And they're always looking for tents and snowshoes and whatnot, mm-hmm. clothing, outdoor clothing for these boys that, that come to the program, eleven ages 11 to 18, that don't have that sort of gear okay. that they need. So last month, I sent out in, in my newsletter um, a little blurb about that, and I've been getting donations from people and taking them up to North Star, which is really, really great. I do avalanche training with the with the kiddos up there. And okay. it's nice to see them wearing some of the stuff that right, that right. went into the donation bag for them when I'm doing training programs with right. them. Um, so the the newsletter has a training scenario and a list of classes and, you know, something about North Star like I did last month. And then the following month, I debrief 
in soap note format, which is a documentation, right. um, the scenario from the month before so they can actually think about, okay, well, what was wrong with this patient? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the assessment? What's the plan? What was their course of action for rescue? And, and see if they were on track because it gets debriefed the next yeah, month. That's, that's great. So how, how do people get the newsletter? So they can sign up for that through my website. There's at the bottom of the homepage, it says sign me up for the newsletter and they can okay. sign up for the newsletter through there. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And, um, and if people have extra gear, outdoor gear. Have them contact me. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was yeah. just going through my box of stuff because I'm working at the Willow 300 dog race this weekend. And so I decided to dig out my Arctic oven tent and all my winter gear, and I started going through everything. And about 64% of it is stuff I haven't used in five years. <laughs> I thought this would probably be good to donate for something like that. It's, you know, it's very specific, I think, to be able to help out the boys up there that are, um, you know, getting out and, and doing winter camping trips. And it, it's meaningful to mm-hmm. them. Right. And it's helping them grow. Right. And so it's it's a great place to donate some of our used gear to, mm-hmm. and they so appreciate it. I'm doing another program with them in March where I'm taking them up to Hatcher Pass to do several hours of winter survival skills oh, and avalanche training, okay. and I hope to be able to bring them some more gear. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Um, this yeah. has been great. Lots yeah. of good information, and hopefully uh, get some people signed up uh, yeah. because uh, being safe in the backcountry is important. It's fun to get out there, but it's good to be safe too. So, yeah. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So stay with us on Valley Outdoors, and after the break, we'll have some more on backcountry safety. We're back on Valley Outdoors. We're talking backcountry safety this week, and my second guest is George Hoden from the Pioneer Ski Patrol, the Matsu Valley chapter of the National Ski Patrol. Welcome, George. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. Uh, so if you're downhill alpine skier, you're probably familiar with the National Ski Patrol. Those are the guys in the uh, red jackets with the white crosses on the back that you see going down the hill. And <clears throat> I first became familiar with them when I was about 15 years old because they'd be the guys that would yell at you when you're skiing too fast going down the hill. That's about all I knew at the time. Um, but um, there's much more involved in what they do, and uh, so we're going to hear a little bit from George about what that is. But uh, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about what the Pioneer Patrol is, George? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the National Ski Patrol has uh, it has divisions throughout the country, and uh, we have the Alaska Division here, and within that there's the South Central Region, and within that we have several different patrols. Uh, so Pioneer Patrol is uh, within that structure. And um, we are a group of uh, volunteers that are based in the Matsu Valley and uh, support Nordic and Alpine skiing um, by providing emergency response, uh, emergency care, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... Um, and other things like uh, support for races and events, uh, mostly winter trail-related events. And um, we're really geared up to uh, support the developing ski area up at Hatcher Pass. Okay. And so um, <clears throat> when people normally hear about ski patrol, like I said, those are the guys that work, guys and gals, that work at the the big resorts. Like Alaska has a ski patrol that's kind of at the bottom of the main chairlift down there. And uh and so on. But you guys are, are kind of uh, um, out in the field. And so if there's Nordic events, mainly school events or other types of events, or what kind of things do you cover? 
Yeah. Uh, well, so in, in the past, we've supported uh, some of the Nordic ski races that are high school events and um, other other races and snowshoe events like that. Um, Winter Trails Day has been a, a regular event that we've supported over the years. Um, the Pioneer Patrol has been around for quite a while, but has existed without really a, a ski area. Okay. And so do you... Uh... Do you actually patrol up in Hatcher Pass, or are you mainly organized around events that occur up there? Um, right now, we're mainly organized around events. The um, The Anchorage Nordic Patrol has a bit more of a presence up at Hatcher Pass. Uh, they are really involved with the Nordic scene, so they're the folks that you would see uh, patrolling up at Independence Mine. They'd mainly be the Nordic patrollers from Anchorage. Okay, all right. And you can tell us a little bit about what Ski Patrol is for those folks who aren't familiar. Like I said, you, you see them when you're, out, uh, when you're out skiing, mostly alpine skiing, but you can talk a little bit about what their, what their duties are. I know uh, they get to do what people think is fun stuff, like shoot the big guns off at LES, going to make the avalanches happen, but uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's much more basic stuff than that. Can you, so can you tell us a little bit? Sure. Um, so at a, at a downhill ski area, the, uh, the Ski Patrol is involved mainly with hill safety aspects. So they're at a at an avalanche ski area, they do the avalanche control to get the hill safe safe in the morning when there's a big snow event. Um, they do other things like setting up rope closures and boundary type materials, signage and uh, all the bamboo sticks and ropes that you see mm-hmm. at the ski areas. Those are maintained by the patrol. Um, and a, one of their major roles is emergency response. So if someone gets hurt, it'll get reported to a lift attendant or somebody, and it'll go through their dispatch system. And um, the the patrollers carry radios with them, and they can uh, it'll get dispatched out to the nearest uh, station, and someone will respond with a, a toboggan. And everyone is trained with by. Uh, a national ski patrol standard, which is uh, outdoor emergency care. Um, so that is a, a nationwide standard of care for patrollers. And um, so they, they all have a, a same, the similar background um, as far as that goes. And each mountain sort of has their own uh, protocols that are dependent on certain aspects of the ski area. Mm-hmm. And so the amount outdoor emergency care, that's a lot of that is a, uh, it's a, it's a first aid or medical course, isn't it? That you go through? Yeah, that's correct. It's, uh, I think it's 120 hours of, uh, training. So it's, it's pretty extensive. It's all, uh, it's, I think that's more than a wilderness first responder, but not as much as say an EMT. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, and it's really focused on, um, you know, skiing and, and winter, Right. Sports injuries mm-hmm. and things like hypothermia and uh, stuff that you would deal with at a ski area, right. typically. Right. And I started going through the course. Um, I had to uh, put it on hold for a while because of some family issues that I had. But I started going through the course this winter, and it was actually very similar to the EMT course that I took, the parts that I had there. The similar um, curriculum and similar background and skills that you had to know as a part of that. And so... Um, if somebody wants to get involved in ski patrol, I guess the understanding there is that you're not, you don't just have to know how to ski. In fact, knowing how to ski is probably not one of the major things <laughs> out there. One of the major things is getting trained on how to deal with uh, issues that happen on the hill. 
Yeah, that's correct. And actually, you know, the skiing is a, a big aspect of it. Um, when I first got into ski patrol, I was I was working at Mammoth Mountain in California, and uh, to get on the patrol there, you actually have to pass a ski test. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty big component of being a ski patroller. Um, as a volunteer, it's it's a lot more lenient as far as your skiing ability, um, but you know, we, we want people to be capable and able to respond to just about anywhere on the mountain. Mm -hmm. So, and there's different kinds of ski patrollers. It sounds like there's, there's folks that are professionals, um, ones that get hired by the resorts and by the Hills, uh, to be employees of there. And so they have different requirements. It sounds like than what volunteers have. Yeah, that's correct. And then also we have the Nordic patrollers too, um, which are typically volunteers, but I'm, I'm, there may be some Nordic patrollers out outside Alaska anyway, that, um, work for a, a ski area that's maybe a paid pro patrol Nordic. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, the outdoor emergency care, the OEC class that you take, um, how does somebody get signed up for that? To, uh, take an OEC class here in Alaska, you would want to contact, you can contact me, uh, if you live here, here in the Valley, or, um, you would contact, uh, one of the patrol representatives um, for one of the local ski areas that you would be interested in patrolling at. Okay. And so we have uh, here in the valley, there's the Pioneer Patrol. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Denali Patrol at Arctic Valley. Um, Hillberg on base has a patrol. Mm -hmm. And of course, Alieska and uh, the Anchorage Nordic Patrol is the other one in here in South Central anyway. Okay. And so when you... You take the OEC class that essentially gets you um, the basics on ski patrol, but then you also get assigned or uh, get attached to a particular patrol, right? It sounds like it. So each of the each of the ski areas has their own crew. Is that how it's put together? Yeah, and and like Alieska has both uh, pro patrollers that are the paid staff and volunteers that are you know, that support them on weekends or even during the week, but mm -hmm. uh, I guess mostly on the weekends. Um, folks that have other jobs that are, you know, looking for a way to contribute to the ski area and volunteer and, and also get to ski for free. That's one of the nice benefits. Yeah, I know. That's what everybody thinks. Well, I just get, I get to be a ski patroller and ski for free, but then you're skiing for free, but you're also there to make sure that uh, people are taken care of yeah. <laughs> as a part of it. That's correct. Um, and the OEC class, when, what time of the year is that usually offered? So it's uh, here in Alaska anyway. It's typically uh, in the fall, uh, starting right around Thanksgiving or thereafter. Um, and it's the 120-hour course is uh, it's stretched throughout the winter. So um, if someone who's interested in taking it would want to get in touch with people, uh, one of the patrol representatives in October or something in the fall and, uh, be ready to commit to, um, uh, training like twice a week throughout the winter, mm -hmm. um, in Anchorage. Um, and then also being available for several weekends to do some skills testing, uh, practicals at one of the ski areas, uh, this year they're doing it at Arctic Valley. Mm -hmm. And I think it runs all the way through March, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I remember so. right. Yeah. Final um, testing would probably be important. so. It's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty big commitment for somebody to get into. I mean, you're not just going to get into ski patrol, take a class, get a red jacket, and then uh, you're done. I mean, it's 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 a bit of a life commitment that you need to do. It becomes a big part of what you do as far as skiing is concerned. 
Yeah, and and one thing to note is once you've taken that OEC class, the Alaska Division offers a refresher every year, and you need to stay current to continue to be a patroller. So the refresher is a, a one-day uh, class mm-hmm. where you go through some skills testing and uh, just try and keep everyone current on changes in the protocols and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you have to get recertified after a certain number of years, or how does that work? No, that's one of the, I guess one of the neat things about it is if you maintain your your uh, your certification through refreshing mm-hmm. annually, um, you you can continue to patrol. And okay. You don't have, it's not like a woofer where every three years you need to take right. a, another eight-hour course or 24-hour mm-hmm. course or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And I know one of the issues that I had when I first started looking at it was the fact that I had to travel to Anchorage uh, to take the class. You know, I I don't just live in the valley. I live up the Manitouska Valley, so it's an hour for me to get to the valley, and then it's another, you know, 45 minutes to get all the way to the south side of Anchorage where the class was. And um, one of the things that helped me out is that I was already an EMT. And there was an option, at least this year, called the OEC Challenge that allowed you to essentially take the... Um, OEC skills tests and the written tests, but not actually go to the classes themselves because you have that medical background. Is that is that does is that offered every year or is that um, just once in a while? Um, I think it's offered every year. Um, next year, there's a they, they are not going to be doing an OEC class here in South Central Alaska, um, so i'm not sure if the challenge course will be offered or not next year but in the past it's offered it's been offered every year okay and um if you have an emt or a higher standard of care even a woofer uh that is uh certain that is certified through a some some certain organizations that are recognized by national ski patrol mm-hmm. um a, a woofer could be uh recognized too so a woofer, an EMT, or better, uh, you know, nurses and doctors we've got on our patrol, mm-hmm. and um, they would be able to take the challenge course, which is a lot less of a time commitment, as you noted, right? and uh, a little bit easier for people that live here in the Valley mm-hmm. if you already have some medical training. Right. And so you said there's not going to be an OEC course next year. Is it the lack of instructors or what's the... Uh, no, they're given, They're doing a, a OEC senior course, which is uh, a way for patrollers to get some advanced training and um, a, a, a different level of certification within the National Ski Patrol system. Okay. okay. Now, if someone uh, got their OEC certification outside... Say they got it in the lower 48. Does it apply up here, or how does that work? It does, yeah. There's a, a way to transfer between patrols. And uh, so if someone was a patroller outside Alaska and moved up here and wanted to get involved, uh, they would just need to contact one of the uh, patrol representatives, mm-hmm. and uh, we could work with them to transfer their um, standing over to the local patrol. Okay. All right. And um, I think... Uh, ski patrollers also do other activities in the summer, right? Do you also support some events in uh, in the summertime? Uh, Pioneer hasn't really done a whole lot of support for events in the summer, but as the if once the ski area gets going up at Hatcher Pass, um, I think you know we'll be in position to help with mountain bike races and um, 
other you know mountain running races and that kind of thing mm -hmm. uh it's something we're interested in um we have a, a group of 14 patrollers here that are all trained and you know willing to support those types of events mm -hmm. so um i think there are some opportunities there for us to you know engage with uh other outdoor enthusiasts and um events that aren't really winter related right right okay all right so um how do people find out about the pioneer patrol where do they go uh we have a, a website it's ski uh let, let me see pioneer ski patrol dot mta online dot net and they can email us at ski patrol pioneer at gmail.com okay and i'll get those uh put up on the website too once this uh the show gets posted so anything else george you think people ought to know about this or well we're always looking for people to join us so if you have medical training or you're interested uh, i encourage you to reach out to us and get involved however you can um like i said there won't be a course next year but uh we're looking at getting a ski area going up at hatcher pass and we're going to need all the help we can get. Yeah, and we're all waiting for that ski area, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks a lot, George. Thank you. Okay. Bye. To my cabin in the hills, and there I'll stay. You've been listening to Valley Outdoors, covering outdoor recreation in the Matsu Valley in greater Alaska. Valley Outdoors is a production of Big Cabbage Radio, recorded in our studios in Palmer, Alaska. Music by Robin Hopper of Chugiak, Alaska. I'm your host, Tim Escher. 